Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends, and welcome to the special edition of the Bleed Lost Podcast. Before we dive into that, I uh, wanted to let you know that our wonderful friends at FOCO.com are presenting this podcast, the Bleed Lost Podcast. If you are a loyal listener to this here podcast, whatever platform you're listening on, click on the link in the brief description, and it'll take you to their website. Out of whatever you want to get to the cart, and for being a loyal listener to this here podcast, you will get a discount. Terms and conditions do apply. See their website for more details. But they have all the fandom. They've been killing it with these World Series bob- bobbleheads. Killing it. Crushing it. So, one of those things where if you like bobbleheads like I do, if you like knickknacks like I do, Foco will lace you up, son. So, check out their website. And again, huge thanks to Foco. Link uh, The unique link. Dang, that's a weird tongue twister, man. Unique link is in the description. Click on that guy. It'll take you to their website. Again, terms and conditions to apply. See their website for more details. But Foco.com, thank you, thank you, thank you. They will take care of you when it comes to the fandom. Bleedlos.com, the website that for sure should be suing us that is not suing us. I don't know what we have on them, but I digress. The Joe Kelly fight shirt, I talk about it a lot. One of my favorite shirts, they have it. They have hats, they have shirts, the Kulichi merch, they have it all. Bleedlos.com. If uh, you uh, go and add whatever to your cart on their website, when you go to check out, add Bleed Lost Pod, you will save 10% on your purchase. They are the they quality shirts, quality screen printing, the whole bit. Check them out. Bleedlost.com. Huge thanks to them. Again, terms and conditions do apply. See their website for more details. Huge thanks. And lastly, thank you to the fans that are listening and subscribing to this here podcast. We would have not been able to get this guest that we just got. And uh, it was great to catch up with uh, with our next guest. Speaking of which, uh, Adrian Gonzalez joins us on this episode of the uh, of the Bleed Lost podcast. We catch up uh, with him regarding uh, you know his upcoming venture on uh, playing in Mexico. Playing for the uh, Los Mariachis de Guadalajara. You know, his ultimate goal of, of trying to make the Mexican uh, uh, Olympic team uh, roster. And we, you know, kind of go down a little bit down memory road. Talk about the Houston Astros. Talk about, uh, you know, some of the trades that he was a part of and how he looks at them. And he has a super interesting perspective on those trades that uh, I don't think a lot of people really uh, really were aware of that insight. So it's, it's super cool to hear it from his mouth. And we also talk about tacos. We, we take a deep dive down that rabbit hole. And you know what? The man knows his tacos. So, you know, huge thanks to Adrian for joining us. And uh, and again, thank you to the subscribers and the fans. Uh, please continue subscribing if you haven't. Or rather, please continue listening, I should say. And if you're new to this uh, here podcast, give it a subscription, uh, subscribe. Click on that guy. Leave it a rating. We'd really appreciate it because it, it uh, helps us able to uh, book other guests like Adrian. So, again, huge thanks to Adrian for the time. But without further ado, I will shut up so you can listen to Adrian Gonzalez on the Bleed Los Podcast.
And it's your boys, Alonso y Juan, with the voice in the sky, Roger. We, uh, we, we, we have opening day coming up, but it just wouldn't feel right to not talk baseball with an actual baseball player because none of us are baseball players. So, I mean, we can't play the music because A, I don't, we don't want to get sued. And B, Zoom doesn't like to work with us. So just imagine a mariachi loco playing, and that's who's walking in. El Titan, Adrian Gonzalez. Adrian, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you guys. Really appreciate the invite. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you guys. And, uh, um, you know, hopefully everybody can imagine or play it in their phones. Uh, Loco, but uh, you know, thank you for that. And uh, it's, it's great to be here. Thanks. No, and, and again, thank you. And, and, and uh, speaking of mariachi, you, you have come, you know, I, I, I never thought you were retired because obviously you hadn't openly come out and said retired, but you've mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're kind of embarking on a, on a goal and, and you're trying to uh, make the, uh, the Olympic team roster with Mexico. And uh, you're, you just recently signed with uh, Los Mariachis de Guadalajara. So congratulations mm-hmm. on joining them. It's, it's a expansion franchise. T- can you tell us a little bit about how that kind of came about that deal? Yeah. Um, so last year, well, I can go back a little bit to, you know, my la- the last time I played uh, in 2018 with the Mets. Um, pretty much after that, I stayed in baseball shape. Uh, waiting for the right opportunity um, to that, you know, the, the, the rest of the summer, 2018, uh, going into spring training in 2019, I was, you know, doing the whole baseball workouts and everything, trying to get, uh, see if the right opportunity came. I'm very, I mean, I, I, I'm a person that, you know, loves my family and I don't want to just go play in the East coast and be, be a far, you know, I did that with the Mets and it was really, really hard. Um, so I wanted the West coast opportunity. And unfortunately the only offers I got were from East coast team. So I turned them all down. Um, and at that point, uh, going into 2019, um, basically around the midsummer, I said, okay, I'm not going to sign them. You know, I'm just going to think about retirement. Um, but around the same time around September, before I just kind of said, okay, I'm going to hang him up. I found out that, or I saw that, uh, Mexico qualified for the Olympics and that the Olympics were going to be in 2020. Um, at that point I said, you know what, this would be a great opportunity to go play, try to, you know, try and go play in Mexico, go try to make the, the Olympic team and then retire after that. Um, so that was the plan and kind of kept in baseball shape at that point, but then the pandemic hit, obviously pushed everything back a year. Um, and then this year after the pandemic and everything. So last year I would have had to play for, you know, I don't know, Sultanes de Monterrey or de los Rojos de Mexico, um, or another team, maybe Toros de Tijuana, um, which were the three teams that I was talking to leading up to 2020 until the pandemic hit and everything shut down. Um, and, uh, and then this year, uh, when I found out that, uh, the mariachis were going to have an expansion, you know, everything kind of tied in, like you said, you know, my, pretty much my whole career walked out to mariachi loco, um, wore, wore a chapel suit, which a lot of people will call mariachi suit and, you know, a lot of Mexican traditions and Guadalajara is a huge city when it comes to traditions and a lot of the things that we think about Mexico, at least here in the States or what the, you know, people in the States think about, you know, you think about it, you, they talk about uh, mariachis, they talk about tequila, they talk about, you know, the folklore type dancing, all those things come from the state of Jalisco. And so it's a very, it's a state that is very connected with the U.S. culture of what U.S. thinks of Mexico. Um, so for me, that was like a great way to like go and play for this new franchise, you know, start a new story, set, sets uh, a new culture um, and, and be able to, to really connect with, with, with the U.S. Mexican fan base in Mexico. So that was uh, that's where we said, you know what, Mariachi should be the best the best place to go play. 
Hey, Adrian, it's Juan. Um, you know, just picking up on that, I, I really enjoy that you you embrace the Mexican-American aspect of it. You know, I being a Mexican-American, even though I, I mainly for the most most of the time I called myself a Mexican, but I denied my American roots. So how do you think the reaction is going to be to you in Guadalajara, even though they know you're you're an American, but you're not a gringo? How do you think they're going to, you know, receive you? Because there's there's a lot of talent down there in the Mexican League. I mean, you, you got Julio Urias, Culiacán, the Culichis are bringing out a lot of talent in the Major League Baseball. So it's not like this is a joke, right? I mean, you going over there and playing in this league, there's some legit competition there. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is a part of the minor league affiliate. So it's, it's, it's almost like a, a it's considered a triple A league. So consider it a triple A league, just like you would have, you know, um, where the uh, Oklahoma City Dodgers. Right. So it basically it, it, that's a competition that it is. Um, it is part of minor leagues. It is part of MLB. So um, it is an affiliate. You, you have the same program. You have everything that, that you have in, in the minor league, you know, in the triple A team over here. That's what you would have over there. The stadiums are, are very much like triple A stadiums. Uh, travels very much like AAA. So consider I'm going to go play in AAA. Um, that's the type of competition that there is. And um, it's there's a lot of talent. But when it comes to the Mexicans, I mean, people know I'm Mexican. People know I was born in the U.S., but I'm Mexican. I grew up in Tijuana. I didn't speak a, a word of English until I was 10. Um, you know, my first word of English was when I was in fourth grade. And so for me, um, you know, it's my, my, both my parents are from Sonora. Um, you know, grew up in Tijuana and yes, I was born in the U S which makes me a Mexican American. So I have to definitely have to embrace that. And, you know, um, but at the same time, I consider myself uh, Mexican and, you know, all my cultures, my upbringing, bringing everything about it, you know, was, has always been Mexican. So. And, and with that, I know that the Mexico, you know, cause it's, I'm like you, I didn't speak a word of English until I was in the sixth grade. You know, everything is even now it's still, I, I think, and I, I think in Spanish, I talk in English. It still blows my mind that I do that. Exactly. I just don't have an accent somehow. I don't know why, but be that as it may, you know, I know that Mexico has always been important with you, like with your foundation that you and your wife have, you know, where you're, you're helping out, you know, the, the different sports facilities and such in Tijuana, which is huge. So needless to say, you know, I, I know that you've taken your Mexican roots, very seriously. And most importantly, you, you've talked about that as far as representing Mexico on, on the national team level, be it in the WBC, uh, an, an underrated series that I don't think it's enough attention here, La, La Serie del Caribe, uh, where mm. a, a ton of great Mexican players have come out of that have played in those series. Jorge Cantu, uh, Alfredo Amezaga, obviously yourself, um, you know, th that have played in those series. What, you know, what can you tell people about that series and the specialness of the Mexican base uh, national team, uh, because I mean, the Mexican national team itself, and we'll talk about it in a second has deep, deep talent too. So it's not like you're, you're coming out there just like, Hey, it's a gimme that you're, that you may even make the roster because that's right. how deep the roster currently is. Yeah, no, the, the roster is deep and there's, there's some really good players. Um, you know, the Caribbean series is like you said, it's almost like a hidden gem over here in the U S because in, in, in the Latin American countries, um, they it's it's like, like everything to them right i mean you have even this last one um you have dominican you have puerto rico you have mexico you have cuba you have uh colombia and uh panama so you had the six places that have winter ball teams and they all have their own individual leagues in the winter 
and the six champions go go to the Caribbean Series, and it's it's almost like the Latin, the Latin American Winter Ball champion. And so, I mean, you get to see everything. I mean, this this year, uh, Dominican had you know Henley Ramirez playing in it. You still had like a lot of major league talent. Uh, you know, Mexico had a great team. Um, everybody has a great team. You know, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a like, great competition, um, and it is like that tournament is so much so much fun because you get to play there. You know, it's almost it's it's a national pride for the Latin American countries, and um, it's 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 just it's it's a great tournament and a lot of I mean pretty much any Latin American player that that has ever gone to the big leagues has played in it. Um, that's that's how big it is um and uh and yeah i mean you know representing representing mexico is, is is a huge responsibility and uh this mexican national team although you won't have any players that are in the big leagues or in triple a and playing in the states that are prospects uh you will have uh, a lot of young talent uh in there so making the team is not is no guarantee uh, i still have to go out there i have to produce i have to show that i can still do it and uh, if I can produce and show that I can still do it, um, there's a good chance I make the team. But if I can't produce, then, uh, you know, uh, the chances are this is that I will not make the team. Adrian, uh, following up, uh, Alonzo mentioned the World Baseball Classic. I love the World Baseball Classic. I went to the last one. I saw the semifinal game with the U.S. and Japan. And then I saw the, the championship with Puerto Rico and the U.S., What's it going to take? What do we have to do? You played for Mexico. What's it going to take for that thing to really blow up? Do you think it's ever going to get to World Cup uh, levels? I mean, I know that's an overstatement because World Cup, I mean, soccer, football, excuse me, is the most popular sport in the world. But could the popularity for the World Baseball Classic increase? And does Major League Baseball need to do more to promote it? Um, well, I mean, Major League Baseball could do more. The, the, the biggest problem is that because Major League Baseball owns the World Baseball Classic and the owners are very protect, protective of their players, it'll never be that tournament because, you know, you have the World Cup. The World Cup has the best players in the world, obviously. And like you said, I mean, obviously, you know, it's, 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 it's a worldwide sport. Baseball is not a worldwide sport. Baseball is a very, you know, niche country, maybe 10, 15 countries you know, take it seriously. Um, so, but in the World Cup, you have, you know, let's just say whoever the best player in the world right now is whether you think it's Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi. They're playing every single minute of every single game. And in the World Baseball Classic, if you have, you know, the best pitcher in the world, he's only allowed to throw 40 pitches or 50 pitches. So you're never going to get that, like, well, they are this, the, the honest champion because, they are the champions under the, the, the basis of the tournament, which doesn't give it that, that great, you know, it's almost like, yeah, you won the tournament, but you're not the ultimate champion. Um, and the marketing is tough because you can't, if you can't promote your best players, you can't market, you know, I mean, it comes down to that. So um, it just, it's, it, all the, all the club teams in soccer have agreed to let their players go play. And if they get hurt, it's part of the game. And in baseball, that has that's not the case. So, you know, until that's the case in baseball, you can't really promote it because you can't really have a true champion. And, and although it's 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 a fun tournament, it's great. The rules are all over the place. I mean, you saw what happened with us with Team Mexico. Um, we got a letter from MLB like a month later saying you guys got robbed. You got robbed. Man. Well, we got robbed. And then 
then they, they the MLB sent us a letter about a month later saying, "Yep, it was our mistake. You guys should have you guys should have advanced other than you know Venezuela that advanced, but they were not willing to disclose that publicly. It was like a hidden letter that you, they weren't they were not willing to go public and, and own their mistake. Um, but at the time, they were willing to make it seem like we were wrong. So I mean, as, you, you know, and until they can fix all those problems, like it'll never be legit." Is that worse when they admit that they were wrong, but they won't let anybody else? Would they have rather they just? Would you rather that they just ignored it and not even addressed it? I mean, they should have just came out publicly. You know, even even if it's a simple statement to the public, like, "Hey, you know what? We 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 acknowledge that we made a mistake. Um, it's in the past. You know, there's nothing we can do. We're sorry, Team Mexico." Um, but at least that gives you a little bit of like, okay, at least they own their their mistake, you know. But when somebody doesn't really own their mistake, on like publicly then it makes it a little bit like eh, they don't really care about it and something just fell here so you can ignore whatever that was i apologize for the record this uh signed messy jersey back here is proof that that's the best player on the planet i don't care what anybody says <laughs> i rest my is. case <laughs> uh but, but you know but speaking of of, of mistakes you you want so hold, hold on based on signed jerseys are you saying Peyton manning is, is, is the best quarterback in, that there's ever been no uh, best quarterback, in my opinion, of at least of this generation, is Aaron Rodgers. Oh, there you go. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah, that, that's that's a hot take. I know that's going to anger some okay. folks, but Sabaske, go Pat, go. Right now, we're <laughs> never going to get Tom Brady on. That's fine. That's fine. Because ironically, the thing that we're that I was about to broach on uh, is probably why he would never come on. I, I'm curious because you, you obviously you played on some great Dodgers teams, some st- some stacked Dodgers teams, and you know, 2017 is something that all Dodger fans have not forgotten, and then they're never going to forget. I, I know you know, obviously you don't know this about me, but I I, uh, I come from from the the clubhouse background. I was a clubby for a long time, so as you know, there's a lot of stuff that's said in there that never comes out, and I and we know why. Um, so as far as that goes, what can you tell us about your sentiment for that season and how you feel about it now that you know that everything has come out, todo el rollo ya ha salido, and, and we're here now? Um, well, first of all, I mean, honestly, like, n- not everything has come out. Um, that know, we know, that we know, I, sh- I guess we should say, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, the players, we know a lot more than uh, the public knows, in a sense, right? And so um, it's hard to make an opinion or to have an opinion based on uh, what's been said publicly versus what the truth is, uh, or the overall truth is. Um, I think the Astros uh, were extremely at fault in a lot of the things that they did. Um, and they should, they, you know, the, the punishment is, at the end of the day, it's, they were punished by the public opinion, right? And they have been, and they, they will still be punished by the public opinion. And that's the biggest punishment anybody can really get, because at the end of the day, you know, they're gonna keep their rings. And so the public opinion punishment is, 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 is where the punishment is rather than in the games or in the fines or, in, you know, I mean, that stuff is like, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Like, you know, as long as the, the public acknowledges and the public knows that, that, they, that they, they're wrong. Um, <clears throat> having said that, within the guidelines of what the MLB said that was illegal, I would say that 30 franchises were doing things that were not allowed. So as far as video room, 
you know, looking at different options to steal signs and relay signs and all that stuff, everything does it. The extent that the Astros did it was over the top and should be punished and which where they were punished. So, um, you know, I think they were punished, they have been punished and they're gonna continue to be punished by the fans, which is great. And I agree with that. Hey, Adrian, I, you know, one of my happiest days as a Dodger fan was when you, you got traded to the Dodgers. I mean, first of all, it was because we had a Mexican superstar coming on the team, so I could finally rock a jersey with a Mexican on it. But I also just I wanted to ask you how it feels for a player of your caliber to get not only traded, but you got traded more than once. How does that happen? I mean, how do you deal with it? I mean, it's not like you were a guy who wasn't panning out or you weren't putting up numbers. You were putting up ridiculous numbers. And then for you to get traded, I mean, how do you deal it? Does that mess with your psyche at all? Um, not really. And it doesn't really mess with my psyche. I mean, I look at each circumstance uh, in its own matter, right? Um, I got traded from the Rangers to the Padres in a situation where the Rangers were trying to win now and they, they acquired a veteran players. And that was the rookie in, you know, in the deal. Um, I got traded from the Padres to the Red Sox in the time when we new GM, new owner with the Padres, and they wanted to have their own players and put a stamp. And I was the player that could, you know, quote unquote, turn the franchise around and bring in these young players. Um, they, the owner at the time, you know, never made an offer and was not even willing to make an offer for a long-term deal um, because he didn't have the money, um, which he flat out told me. Um, so I got traded to the Red Sox in that deal. Um, the red, the, the Red Sox straight to the Dodgers is hundred percent Dodgers owners going to John Henry and saying, Hey, we want Adrian and we'll do whatever it takes, you know? Um, and so Dodgers owner was like, okay, this is what it's going to take. And the Dodgers owners agreed. So, um, and you can go to Stan Kasten or, you know, anybody within that, that, that trade that say, you know, Dodgers basically went to the Red Sox and said, I want Adrian and this is what it's going to take. Um, and then the, the, the trade from the Dodgers to the Braves <laughs> was a way for me to help the organization uh, get under the luxury tax. And, uh, you know, at the same time, um, know that I was going to be more than likely a player that was going to come off the bench with the Dodgers. And, you know, at the time it was they, they gave me an offer where, you know, you do this for us, you know, we'll, 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 we'll help you find an opportunity elsewhere. And, you know, we can, we can all be in a better position. So um, again, you know, there, there were all trades under their own circumstances that, you know, uh, benefited everybody. And, you know, uh, you know, they, they each had their own, their own moment in time. And I, and I, I know you were a first round pick. A lot of people don't realize not only were you a first round pick, but you were a number one overall pick and, mm -hmm. You know, you made it, you, you, you were in the Marlins system and, you know, that the, the circumstances you were talking about a moment ago, you know, with, with that Florida trade, if, if I'm not mistaken, is you were hurt and mm -hmm. you came back, recovered, and essentially they kind of looked at you as a liability, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, something that, that wasn't going to pan out. And then that deal uh, to the Rangers happened um, after uh, the wrist injury. I'm kind of curious for you as a, as a super young player, you know, you were, you had only been a professional for three years at that point getting traded over to Texas. How did that affect you, you know, from the get-go at that point? And obviously in hindsight, with the benefit of hindsight being 2020, you're able well, to look at them circumstantially now. Yeah. I mean, well, um, you have to, 
understand the whole trade as a per as a whole because I didn't get trade being a liability. I got traded because that's the Rangers wanted me in return for Ugarabina, who helped the Martins win the World Series that year. The Martins needed a closer, uh, you know, because they were in the playoff run. And when the Marlins went to the Rangers and said, you know, we want them Garabina, the Rangers said we want Adrian. And so they made that trade knowing that they were going to get that elite closer at the time so they could put him over the hump, and which it did because they won the World Series. Um, so I was, I was that top prospect that got traded uh, because that's what it took for the Marlins to acquire Garabina at the time. Um, so, again, you know, I think every player – when there is a trade happening, you should be grateful that there's teams that are willing to give up that much uh, or, you know, there's a team that wants you that bad that they're willing to, you know, make a trade. So uh, trades a lot of times is, is an acknowledgement of the, to the fact that teams want you. Hey, Adrian, where did the uh, Titan nickname come from? Um, so when I was playing for the Padres, uh, the Mexican broadcaster, uh, Eduardo Ortega for the Padres, um, he has a thing where he gives everybody a nickname. Everybody that plays on the Padres gets a nickname. Um, and so that's like a Mexican thing, isn't it? We always have it, to give everybody nicknames, right? Every, everybody gets a nickname. Exactly. Um, so he gave everybody a nickname. I mean, he gave, uh, Khalil Green was the, was, uh, Aquaman because of the way he stretched for balls when he was diving, uh, he gave, he named my brother Edgar when he played, uh, he gave, he named him the conquistador because, you know, he had to conquer a lot of things to get to the big leagues. Um, he had a nickname for everybody. Everybody had a nickname. And so he started calling me the Titan from Eastlake because the high school that I went to in San Diego were the Eastlake Titans. So he called me El Titan de Eastlake. Uh, right. And then, uh, after about, I think in the second season with the Padres, he just dropped the, the East Lake. So he just called it. El Titan. And so, and then it just stuck. Adrian, I know in your career, you obviously, you know, you know how, how, how difficult it is to play at that level that you played at. And for as long as you played at that level and you have, you know, the, the accolades to go down, you know, the, the five-time all-star, uh, the four-time gold glove two times, you know, silver slugger, you know, the, you know, the, the accolades that go with it for you of all of the things, you know, during, during your, your major league career. And, and, and I'm not even looking at this past tense in the sense, you know, cause I, you know, it's just more of what it was. Uh, what, what is the most important thing for you as a player that you've taken away, you know, now kind of at this chapter in your career? Um, the most important thing I've taken away, I think it's, it's, you know, just, everything as a whole, like, you know, just the enjoyment of being able to play the sport that I, or the, you know, the profession I wanted to do as a kid and was, I was, I was able to do it and I was able to accomplish it. And, you know, I was able to accomplish these things. I think you can't really focus on one, um, you know, as a kid, you always dream of being a professional baseball player and playing in the big leagues and playing for the certain teams. And um, I was able to live all those things and it was amazing. And, 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 really can't you, you look back as a whole and you're like man you can't really pinpoint one or the other and you're just grateful that you know that you're able to do it and, and we're able to do it at a, at a at a high level you know you talked about dreams uh were the padres your team as a kid is that who you rooted for or did you have another team and how was it playing for the padres being that you were a kid who you know grew up in Tijuana? Yeah. i honestly rooted for the padres and the red sox growing up and then uh, we would go to a lot of Dodger games because of Fernando. 
So it was weird that I was able to play for the three franchises that I honestly, like we, as a family, those are the three that we followed the most. And so it's, it's very unique how that, that played out. And, uh, you know, I was able to play for the Mets and the Rangers as well, but three, the three franchises that we basically watched and followed the most were that I got to play for. Um, and that was pretty cool. So, um, but, but being able to play for the Padres was, was amazing. I mean, I remember telling, you know, friends and family that, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to play for the Padres. And that was a huge Tony Gwynn fan, at the, you know, so it was, it was, it was big. Did you ever get a chance to meet Tony? Oh yeah. Yeah. Me and me, me and uh, Anthony Jr. were really good friends in high school. We graduated the same year. We played in a lot of like uh, travel teams. So um, I was able to, you know, work out hitting and he taught me about hitting off the tee and, you know, when I was in high school and drafted and minor leagues and everything. So it was, it was just amazing. Is he the greatest hitter? No, he major league, I mean, major league was, baseball. I mean, I just can't, he, I he mean, the amazing. way he went to opposite field and I mean, he taught you all that stuff, right? Well, he didn't teach me to hit the, to the opposite field. That was just something that I naturally did. But he taught me, you know, a lot of things about studying video, about staying inside the ball and just, you know, consistency and being and, and having the same routine. And basically he taught me his T routine, which I did for, you know, 15 years. Um, you know, all these things that, that, that I learned from him were, you know, incredible knowledge that I, that I was able to obtain, you know, thank God. Thank you for sharing that. Any opportunity I get to talk about Tony Gwynn, I'm going to take it because I think fans, especially younger fans, need to remember how great that guy was. Yeah. And, and one of the things that, that hurts me so much is that he wouldn't, he would be not giving a chance in this day and age because he didn't hit the ball in the air. You know, this new world of like elevate and hit it in the air. I mean, it's just it's it's so hard to like see because the Tony Gwynn's of the world will, will never exist again because, you know, he hit the ball on the ground to the opposite field, you know, or he hit line drives and he didn't really try. He didn't try to elevate. You know, he put he put the ball in play, which is not something they teach anymore. You know, he never struck out and he hardly walked. <laughs> exactly. I always kid these guys. I always sit there and I tell them he owned Greg Maddox. I mean, isn't yeah. that ridiculous? He owned Greg Maddox. Yeah, he owned pretty much all the great pitchers in his era. <laughs> well, and, and there's countless dope stories about Tony, too. Like, I, I, I think, you know, him, Alex Belayas, who was in the in the Padre system. Um, you know, he, he, uh, cause I was a clubby in the angel system. Uh, you know, he would always tell us these great stories about Tony and just, that was his whole thing. Put it in play, just find a way, yeah. put it in play. And, and that's, and I, and I agree with you, Adrian, I don't think we're going to see, you know, because now it's about exit velocity. Now it's about, you know, launch angles and all this jazz. And, and you know, I obviously I play travel ball and all that jazz and none of that in my, you know, I'm, um, I'm 35 our age, our generation didn't have any of that. And, and I'm just on the cusp of when they began that. And I, I think it does a disservice to the game because there's so many players that are going to miss out uh, and so many kids that are going to miss out because it's just so, so analytic driven. Yeah. Uh, I agree hundred percent. I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, cause obviously you played for, for two of the storied Southern California franchises. There's been a lot of, a lot of, you know, now the Dodgers are, are world series champions. The Padres have made a lot of moves. And, and you, you, you were, you know, with the Padres for a long time. And at the time, like you said, there was, there was limitations as far as what they, what they could do. Obviously the business has changed and they've, they've gone out and made some splashes, be that as it may, 
what what do you think of the Padres Dodgers quote rivalry, if you will, and you know, kind of starting now, you know, last year really, and kind of going forward? Yeah, I mean, you know, the Padres have set themselves up to have a great, you know, twenty twenty one, and you know next few years as well with their talents. Uh, obviously right now Tatis is hurt. Uh, that's going to hurt them. Um, I still think, you know, this year the Dodgers are, you know, the most talented team out there. Um, they're deep in starting pitching, bullpen. They're deep in lineup and bench. You know, they have a very deep team. Um, the Padres are, are doing their best to catch up and, and, and they're not too far behind. You know, we always say that injuries will dictate, honestly, how the season's going to go, especially in a non-COVID season where you're actually playing a full season uh, where the marathon happens um, and injuries really take a, a toll. So um, I feel like the Padres, if they sustain two big injuries, it could really hurt them where the Dodgers can probably sustain four. Let's just call it that way, right? Um, so the depth is really where the Dodgers uh, set themselves apart as far as talent. Um, but they're both extremely talented. I mean, they both have one, two, three. If you look at a playoff picture, they both have one, two, three starting pitchers. You know, they have the Dodgers have a pretty decent bullpen. Um, the lineups are both the they both, you know, work the counts and everything. Um, you know, but right now, uh, to 2021, the Dodgers are still uh, slightly above. And it's going to be a great rivalry for the years to come, for sure. Hey, Adrian, uh, you know, you played, you faced the guy and then you played along with him. Uh, how could you talk about those tough playoff losses and especially seeing Kershaw have to take the majority of the blame from that, especially from stupid fans like myself who don't know anything about baseball or or the media blaming him saying, you know, he didn't show up in the postseason. How do you pick up a teammate like that after those painful disappointments? Um, I mean, Kirsch was a guy that, you know, he's self-motivated and he takes the losses, you know, as hard as anybody out there. Um, but he's quick to pick himself up and get ready for, you know, his next start and, you know, look forward rather than look back. And, you know, in baseball, you have to do that because the turnarounds are so quick. And so baseball teaches you to, you know, just turn the page and, and keep working and knowing that um, it's, it's about routine. It's about putting in the work and then the results, you can't really control all of the results. Um, you know, Kershaw's issues or, you know, things in the playoffs in the past, at least when I saw him uh, in the clubhouse, it was because he cared too much and he tried too hard. Um, and so I know from a experience, the minute you care too much or you try too hard, uh, things that your muscles don't work the same and, and, and things don't happen exactly how you, how they do when you're not so invested in the moment. Um, and so, and then that's honestly what happens with play with, with a lot of people in playoffs or, or in, in situations, right? They care so much and they want to do so much for the team and for the city and for the fans. Uh, that it can hold you back. The great thing about Kershaw is that he is and has been one of the best pitchers in the game, top three pitchers in the game for sure for so long. And, and he's been given so many opportunities that eventually it gets to a point where it's like, you know what, I'm just going to have fun. And it looked like that's what happened last year. He just decided to just go out there and just have fun and enjoy the moment and just let, let things happen. 
and it was great to see. And obviously, he had a an incredible supporting cast and 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 the, and the perfect team around him. And and you know, the Dodgers were just so much more talented than anybody else. It was hard seeing them lose anything. Obviously, we all sweated the the the, the Brave series, um, but they were able to to regain, you know, gather up and and and, and take care of business. I wanted to ask you, Adrian. Uh, you, you've talked about going into into this the, the Mexican League season that you feel like you're in the best shape that you've ever been in, and you know I've seen on Instagram that you're you're training with Canelo, uh, which by the way, super tight that you're training with Canelo. That that, mm-hmm. that that would be super sick. I wouldn't want to be hit by that guy, but that would be super sick to train with him. Um, you know, but you've talked about that you feel like you're in the best shape that you've been in, you know, maybe ever. How long do you see yourself still playing for, um, you know, and do you, do you foresee playing longer than just this season in Mexico? Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not looking past this, you know, this next step in my life. I'm focusing on playing this summer, you know, making the Olympic team and hopefully going to Tokyo and representing team Mexico in the Olympics. Um, those are the things I'm focused on right now. Um, as far as how I feel physically, um, I feel, I, I don't just feel I am the strongest I've ever been in my upper body, um, because I've been able to focus on lifting and upper body lifting and a lot of shoulders and chest and back. And like, you know, um, just from an upper body standpoint, I am the strongest I've ever been. I feel incredibly strong in my shoulders and my back and all the muscles when I'm taking batting practice, you know, I, I see it off the bat, um, um, earlier in my career, I was a lot stronger in my lower half. Um, I'm, you know, when you get older, there's, there's very little reason to do a lot on the lower half, especially if you've had back issues in the past. And so, you know, my lower half lifting has been a lot of, um, prehab where, you know, I'm doing all the exercises and, and, and I'm doing everything I need to do to keep America, keep everything strong, but keep everything healthy. And it has been extremely healthy. I haven't had any setbacks. I feel incredible. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like a tale of two, ha- two, 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 two halves of the body part, right? You have the lower half, which is all like maintenance and staying healthy and feeling great, which I have been in the upper half. It's like strong, 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 lift, 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 lift. So, um, I feel great. I, I see it in, in when I'm out there doing some of my baseball activities and, you know, hopefully that'll, that'll allow me to, to have, you know, a great summer. I had a question for you. Are you right-handed? I am right-handed. So, so I'm opposite of you. So I'm left-handed and I do everything right-handed sports-wise. Can I ask you uh, how it came about that you ended up being a lefty with everything, uh, baseball and golf-wise even? Uh, but that's, that's, that you'd have to ask God that question because <laughs> it's one of those things where, I mean, my dad saw me eating. He saw me moving around as a kid. He's like, this kid's going to be right-handed. He bought me a right-handed glove. I grabbed the glove and I put it on my right hand and I threw it with my left. And he, and he switched it over. He, I mean, he's like, this kid's right-handed. And then I picked up a ball and I would throw it with my left. And then he gave me a bat. He put me to hit right-handed and I would turn it around and put it on my left shoulder and I would swing left-handed. So, I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, growing up, my dad thought I was going to be right-handed and I turned out to be left-handed in baseball. Yeah, that, my parents were just like, nah, no hacer surdo, no hacer surdo, you know, just because the whole Mexican thing, right? And, and what's funny about that, though, is my brother is completely left-handed. He cannot do nothing, a, a thing right-handed. So I wow. guess that's just kind of their karma for trying to force me to be right-handed because everything, <laughs> I can't throw a ball left-handed. I can't swing, you know, a, a club left-handed. I, I can't do anything left-handed aside from right. And 
you know, and even like, you know, I'm a musician, I can't play anything left-handed. So I, 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 I was one always of, curious in that. One of the things that's really weird about the way I am is you see me throw left-handed, you see me hit left-handed, you see, you know, I swing a golf club left-handed. I do all those things left-handed and you're like, oh, this guy's left-handed. But then I eat, I write, and then I'll, I'll shoot a basketball right-handed. I'm right-handed with basketball. And if you see me shoot a basketball left-handed, it's, it seems like I'm the most unathletic person in the world. I can't even shoot a basketball left-handed. And then I bowl right-handed, and I'm a pretty decent bowler. But if you see me bowl left-handed, which you would think that because I throw left-handed, it would be pretty good. I, would, I literally throw the ball two lanes to the left. Like, it is like I am like the most uncoordinated left-handed underhand but I'm really coordinated overhand and right-handed. I'm, I'm very uncoordinated overhand, but I'm very coordinated underhand. So it's just really, really weird the way I am. And, you know, I just, I, I got to a point where it's like, it's the way I am. And that's, that's what it is. No, I'm right there with you. I mean, that's how I am too. There's some things, you know, I I'm stronger left-handed than right-handed, but I, I, I do things easier right-handed. Yeah. It's weird. I, I, and I'm the same way. It's just one of those, like, so I was kid, this is, this is what it is. And, and that's just how it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. You don't try to figure out why. <laughs> no, yeah, there's no reason. Yeah. Uh, Adrian, uh, you, I mean, when you finally decide to call it quits, it sounds like you already have your post uh, career, baseball career already planned out. I mean, you got a cigar line, you're an investor in Calidad Beer. Uh, are you, you're still, are you associated with Lit, right? That That's your company? No, Lit is not my company. Lit is uh, Justin and uh, Taylor's company. Um, I am somewhat of a brand ambassador, you can say, for Lit. Okay. That we, you know, we, we we started working together a few months back, and you know, everything kind of you know have a lot of synergies. And you know, I love obviously I love working out. Uh, I really believe in their system. They have an incredible system. So you know, the workout, the workout, everything. You know, they, they just have a great thing going on. So um you know more more of a partnership there okay so i mean you seem to be a real entrepreneur but mm -hmm. do you see yourself maybe getting into broadcasting later on it in life? um i can see i can see myself doing i mean i did some broadcasting for fox sports in espanol yeah um i did i did uh four games last year and then and then I, and um and i really i enjoyed that during covid wasn't the best time to do it because like you know I don't know. I feel like they, they make you fill out a questionnaire that you can let your way through. And then you, you sit in, in the room indoors for four hours where everybody's breathing in the same room. So, you know, during COVID, it wasn't like the best time to do it. That's why after like those four games, I was like, you know what, probably not the best idea to do it. Um, but I do see myself uh, working on a, you know, game to game basis almost where I can do some games in Spanish, do some games in English and, uh, and just enjoy those, those, those special games that if they, if they want me to do it, um, especially for Fox that's here in LA and I can just basically drive to the studio, do the game and, and drive back home. Um, I, I don't see myself. One of the big reasons that I really enjoy, you know, I, I enjoy being an entrepreneur and owner and, you know, having my businesses. I mean, I own 11 Jersey Mike stores and I'm growing, where our company is growing in Jersey Mike's and I'm, we're putting the first uh, Jersey Mike's in Mexico at the moment. We'll open up like in a month. Um, you know, we have a lot of great things going on with Jersey Mike's and like you said, with Calidad Beer and the cigars and, you know, different partnerships that I have, I'm, you know, partnering the athletic apparel company, a bunch of different things. Um, and that takes a lot of our, a lot of, a lot of my time. Um, so I don't want to tie myself to like a full schedule of broadcasting. Right. And, um, you know, Lon Rosen's an incredible friend and an incredible mentor. 
Um, and he's, uh, he, he keeps asking me, he's like, Hey, when are you going to come to the Dodger games? You know, when are you going to come to the Dodger games and, and, and work for Sportsnet and, and, and be, be a game analyst and broadcaster for Sportsnet? And I'm like, Lon, I'd love to do it. And, you know, let, let me, let me finish out my career. I'll retire. And then we can do game to game stuff for the Dodgers, do game to game stuff for the, for Fox and, you know, do, do that kind of stuff. But I don't want to tie myself to a full season where all of a sudden I can't attend to my other businesses. So is it, difficult to be critical now that you're a you were a player you're moving over now to the analyst side you may know some of those players you may have played with them is it hard to be critical of them well i mean i'll never be critical of 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 a player because i know that you know when somebody strikes out or when somebody doesn't do well in a certain game or a certain situation it's not because they're not trying to you know it's not because they're trying to fail it's just because it's the moment and it's, it's just baseball. It just, it happens, you know, you fail, you have success and it all comes down to the matchup, you know, the, the, the changes in that, you know, I can think of like a time when I had a lot of success against a pitcher and all of a sudden I started failing against him. Why? But he probably changed the style of how he pitched to me. And I was used to seeing pitches this way and now he's pitching this way. So now, you know, I need time to adjust to the new style of pitching. So, you know, there's a lot of factors that come into play, not just like, oh, you know, he struck out, he sucks, you know, so it, there's a lot more factors. And so for me, um, I would never be critical of somebody. I would say, you know, the matchup benefited this guy versus that guy. You know, the situation was more for this guy than that guy. You know, this team had a great game plan against that pitcher. Or, you know, so you give credit to where credit is due versus saying, oh, this guy sucks or this guy's not capable or, you know, whatever you want to say, where, you know, you hear a lot of that stuff. But, you know, knowing what the effort and, and, and everything that goes into preparation, it's it's hard to be critical because, you know, you, you can't you can't be critical of the amount of work that is put into every game. I mean, if you knew people think that player I've, I've always had this conversation with fans and, and friends. And they asked me like, hey, what time do you get there for a seven o'clock game? Do you get there like at five, six? I'm like, no, dude, we get there at noon, one o'clock. Like, and there's hours of preparation that goes into it. And then after the game, you know, some guys get there at 11 so they can work out and then eat and rest and all this stuff. I was a guy that got there about one, one thirty, maybe two o'clock. And I would do all my work. And then after the game, I would lift. And so I wouldn't leave until midnight. And so like, you're putting in like so much work every day to be fully ready that people don't realize that and it's daily and it's a grind and it you know the off season you're working and i mean it's you people are like oh it's the off season you're off and you're like no not off because you know we're working out every day monday through friday monday through saturday you know i mean it's just it's so much work and 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 you know there's you can't really be critical. You can just say, maybe this guy's more talented, you know, or whatever. The situation was different. No, and it's no lie. You know, it's a grind. And I appreciate you pointing that out because of uh, the internet. I feel like it's people caught up and makes it easier to be that, you know, that, that, uh, that uh, lounge chair quarterback with everything. And I don't think it does justice to all the players because you, you obviously can attest getting to the show is incredibly hard, whether you're a first round pick or not. 
it's baseball is easily, in my opinion, the most difficult sport to play behind professional golf. Uh, professional golf is that's we, we can have an entire podcast about that. Cause it's not fair how those dudes, how good those dudes are. Um, know, right. <laughs> like just even like Bryson DeChambeau, just like the way that he's, yeah, I have 170 mile an hour club head speed and I can just drive the ball 350. Okay. That's fine. That's just casual. <laughs> uh, but you know what, Adrian, we, we really appreciate the time. Uh, it was, it was really cool to, to for you to give us a little bit of insight. What Adrian, you be- before we let Adrian go, Adrian, I have to ask you this. Being that you played for the Padres and you played for the Dodgers, what is a better taco town, San Diego or L.A.? And what places do I need to go to get good, good tacos in those lo- in those cities? That's an unfair uh, question. That's a very unfair question. OK, please tell me why it's an unfair question before I answer. Just because it, I feel like when it comes to tacos, it's one A, one B, San Diego, L.A. Okay. But he, okay. he's the perfect so, person to answer okay. this. <laughs> This is my answer because I mean I, I, I can I can say that I'm a, the biggest taco lover coming from Tijuana. Um, my first question is, you have to categorize tacos. You can't just say tacos, like because you have tacos can be anything, right? I mean, yeah. tacos can be million things. Honestly, you can have fish tacos. You can have you know guisados. You can have like you know you can have tacos of anything. So you can't just say tacos. I mean. You know, if you're talking straight carne asada tacos, I can give you the places to go to. If you're talking fish tacos, I can give you the places to go to. Like, you know, you got to be specific with what you're asking for. Oh, wow. He totally called I, me out. This man knows tacos. So what I is need, your go-to taco? If you got to have okay, a taco, so, what, so do you, will, what do you go for? I will, bring, I will give you the category that I feel like uh, I, if I'm in a city, I will try every single location I can find. And that's a carne asada taco. Great, right? And a carne asada taco for me, the minute you put lettuce or cabbage, you're you're you're, you're scratched off. <laughs> Thank you. Right? Thank you. I've if been, you put, I've been if campaigning you put, that for years. Thank you. If you if you put sour cream or mayonnaise, you're you're out. Sorry. <laughs> right? what, Preach, what about a, what about a, what about a, a salsa de aguacate? Salsa de aguacate is fine. Okay. Salsa yeah. de aguacate is fine. So just i'm giving you that right now right you can have the best taco in the world and if you put any of those things now you're a different category you're like you know you're trying to be gourmet or you're trying to be something else but you're not a kind of taco like as me being from tijuana knows it okay so based on that <clears throat> um la has two spots that i would really really recommend that i've gone to and i've, and I've had and i have consistently um that would be tacos 1986 and sonora town um both of those tacos are uh really good sonora town will give you cabbage but i don't put it on there so um you know they have uh sonora town has a great salsa um and their tacos are really good and they have like an avocado avocado cream that goes on there uh tacos 1986 is more of your traditional tijuana style uh taco i i honestly if i'm getting it at the store i ask for for them to to put it on the grill a little bit longer uh, so they can kind of like the, 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 the little fatty parts can get a little crispier and it'd be mm-hmm. better. Um, when they, when I get it, uh, brought to the house, I put it, I put it on the pan for the, the meat for a little bit longer as well before I, before I make it. Um, both of those places are incredible. I know that there's some really good places on the East side of town in LA that I've gone to, but I don't remember the names. Okay. So I, I'm not going to say their names, but I know that there's a couple, couple places that have really good tacos in the, uh, in East Los Angeles. 
Um, and those are places that we'll just go, somebody will recommend them, we'll just go get them and, and they'll be like, man, that's pretty good. Um, or San Diego, um, you have uh, Taqueria Revolucion that has really good tacos. You have a place called Taco Stand that has really good tacos. You have um, uh, Tacos de Poblano that has really good tacos, carne asada tacos. Um, and then some people uh, do like, um, um, what's it called? The one that's in Vegas also. Oh, Tacos El Gordo? Yeah, Tacos El Gordo, but they're not my favorite carne asada tacos. They have really good like tripa and buche and like all those other stuff, but they don't have really good carne asada tacos. I, I would um, say their, I, their buche is elite. Uh, there's very few places that make the buche yes. the way that they do. Yeah, but but their carne asada is not great. So no. I wouldn't recommend them for carne asada, but if you want all the other stuff, they're really good for the other stuff. Um. And so those are the places I recommend in each city for the most part. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you can't go wrong with those places. Uh, if you're in New York, Taqueria, uh, Taqueria, Taqueria Numero Uno is really good. Uh, I mean, I can go city to city and give you places for tacos, <laughs> but. Um, we'll bring you on next time and, and we'll we'll go into detail we'll, we'll do, do a tour, tour. Yeah. we'll do major league baseball oh, I, cities where we get good tacos man i, I, I know really... and, and again you know we go into tacos like you know people will go crunchy tacos i'm like okay that's a whole nother category <laughs> too like you know i mean everything's its own category right but the problem is you with your initial question you can't just say who has better tacos that's not yeah. the right question you know, I, and if knowing that you were this, you know, the master <laughs> at it, because ever since you brought that taquisa to spring training, I was just like, yeah. he is the greatest. He is my favorite player. You know, <laughs> I just I love that you 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 brought the taquisa to, to spring training. And I just I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to, to answer that question. Yeah, of course. I mean, I could I could talk about food. I mean, the reason why I have a belly is because I have I, I eat a lot <laughs> and, I, and I enjoy my calidad beer. Hey, so, like, like that, my, I would have a six. Like my cousin says, tú come y el cuerpo que tome la forma que quiera. <laughs> no, see, I always say I play for the tie. You know, I mean, I know that if I got to eat 10 tacos and, and, and down six beers, I'm going to work out for two hours, you know, <laughs> but but you know, I mean, if, if it wasn't for 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 taco ceviche and beers, I would have a six pack, man. <laughs> well, and and in preparation for today's podcast, I uh, I have a Traeger. I uh, I made uh, some carne asada. I prepare. I threw it on the Traeger. Made you know the the edges extra crispy. Just put some salsa on it, and that was it. And I'm glad that I okay. did that because now I know that I didn't disrespect Adrian Gonzalez's taco game in any way, shape, or form by throwing well, crema. I by throwing cabbage, but you know what I mean? Well, like I said, you know, that's, that's a whole other category. Like that's not a kind of style. No, 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 you no. That's, no. it's, 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 you, you put, I'm not, I'm never getting like, Oh, that's not a taco. It is a taco, but it's not the taco that I grew up knowing or that Tijuana knows. And thank you for saying that because I've been campaigning that when you start throwing stuff like that on there and then too much, I feel like it takes away from the integrity of the taco. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, 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 that's why I say like, okay, now you're going into a gourmet taco where you're trying yeah. to like, you know, make it your own style and you, you know, have your own thing, and at that point, you're not you're not calling it a Tijuana style treat taco. You're calling it, you know, whatever. I don't know something else. A tortilla con carne y un montón de otras cosas. Yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, that's that's like that's like also like uh, when, when they're like, oh yeah, you put cheese in your taco. I'm like, well, that's called a molita or a quesadilla con carne. That's not a taco anymore. That's something else now. Not, not, yeah. Now you're going into a whole other thing. Like if you exactly. put cheese in it, 
if you put cheese in it, now it's a quesadilla. Now it's a quesadilla with carne or a mulita or a vampiro or, you know, whatever else, but it's not a taco anymore. Yeah. We'll have to have you back on after you're, you're in Jalisco for a while, because I'm going to want to ask you where you got the best torta ahogada that you've, that you've had while you've been yeah. there. Um, trust me, I, we're, 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 we're going, we're going to go find all the best restaurants and we're going to put them all on social for when people travel, not just in Guadalajara, but every place, every city I visit. Um, I mean, you know, I'm planning on turning this into almost like a travel show while I'm playing. <laughs> nice. I'm Make from sure Durango. you guys follow him on, on Instagram because he puts up some great videos. Even though I was looking for the video when you were uh, boxing Vassay. Well, not even boxing vaccine. When you yeah, made him I mean, wear the gear not, and you punched him, and yeah. you were like, "I didn't even punch you hard." I love that video. Yeah, that 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 that, that that's where uh, Ryan Garcia got his idea of punching people with that thing on, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that video was so great. So yeah, follow uh, that, that, follow that, El Titan social media. He if, puts some great stuff on Instagram. If if, if you ever uh, if you ever want to have a good laugh just invite Vasse because you know you can do whatever you want with him he's like he's like that that, that like happy go lucky guy like yeah i'll do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah we can do that yeah just hit me as hard as you can in the stomach we'll, we'll be fine we'll be fine <laughs> he, he, he's the best he's did you guys guy. ever see that video i mean it's hilarious no. because adrian literally says to him, dude i didn't even hit you that hard and Vasse is already almost falling on the ground it's great <laughs> well, yeah, listen adrian uh thank you Thank you for taking the time. We, we really appreciate it. Uh, I'm I'm intrigued just on your food tour alone uh, of Mexico because I haven't been down there in so long. I'm from Durango, and it, right now I wish that Durango had a team uh, so that way I could see you take just the tour of all the dope food there. But yeah. alas, here we are. But uh, but you know, again, thank you for, for the time and for the insight and everything. We really, really appreciate you making the time. Thank you. No, thank you guys. And, uh, you know, tomorrow will be a fun day. Uh, so, uh, you know, it'll be, uh, it'll be great. And, uh, thanks for thank, thank you guys for the time. Yeah, absolutely. And there you have it. El Titan, huge thanks to Adrian for joining us. Uh, check him out on all the socials. El Titan on Instagram, on Twitter. He's a great follow. Uh, you know, he posts some of the stuff that we talked about as far as food, training with Canelo. Um, you know, obviously he's still an avid baseball fan, still an avid sports fan. So check him out. Solid, solid follow. And uh, follow all of his ventures. You can see them all on his socials. But that will wrap it up for this edition of the Bleed Los Podcast. Thank you a ton for joining us. And uh, we will catch you down the road. But in the meantime, please enjoy opening day at Dodger Stadium. We can't be there, unfortunately. But for those of you that are going to be there, enjoy it for us. Take it all in. The ring ceremony, everything. Take it all in. But until the next one, we will catch you down the road. Thank you again for listening to this edition of the Bleed Los Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.